what works and what doesn't. Understanding what works. What works for me. Understanding your own business to know what works. What works for you. This is What Works. This special episode of What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. At What Works, we've been using Mighty Networks for almost five years to bring small business owners together to solve challenges and level up. In the beginning, we chose Mighty Networks because it allowed us to build community on a dedicated social platform away from the noise and toxic culture of larger social networks. But as the WhatWorks network has grown, so has Mighty Networks. Today, we're able to offer well-organized training, groups, events, and more all on one site. Mighty Networks has made it easy for us to realize our vision of creating a healthy community of business owners building stronger businesses together. What could Mighty Networks do for you? Find out by starting your free trial at MightyNetworks.com. Personal strengths are like a photo filter. Imagine you've got a photo that's fine. You upload it to Instagram or Visco or some fun photo editing app, and then you scroll through the filters until you find one that brings the picture to life. With the tap of a button, you can make the photo go from washed out colors to black and white, or soft shades of peach and pink, or punchy shades of blues and greens. Your filter may up the contrast or even everything out a bit. Personal strengths can do the same thing for your business strategy, marketing tactics, or the way you deliver your offer. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that makes business make sense for small business owners. So what happens when we start to use our personal strengths as a filter for business? Well, first, it becomes a whole lot easier to make decisions about what steps to take next. The strengths filter makes it easier to see whether one path or another is going to work better for you. But second, your strengths filter can help you find creative ways to do some of those shoulds and supposed tos that just feel so meh. What if you approach email marketing through the filter of relationship building? That's going to look pretty different than an email marketing strategy based on ideation or analysis. What if you create an online course, but filter it through teamwork? That's going to look pretty different than an online course based on focus or competition. And what if you prioritize networking, but filter it through humor? That's going to look different than networking based on discipline or strategy. And when you apply your strengths filter to come up with creative ways of reimagining these actions and systems, not only will they feel more natural to you, they're going to be more effective too. Today, I've got five more stories of business owners leveraging their strengths. And the thread that runs through each of these stories is how using personal strengths as a filter allowed these business owners to make components of their businesses more natural and effective. You'll hear from Lisa Greer, Nyla Bari, Lisa Townsend, Maithili Jagannathan, and Mary Knox Miller on how they've leveraged their strengths. 
Let's kick things off with Lisa Greer. Lisa is a business strategist who works with small businesses and entrepreneurs who are seeking to bridge the gap between their strategy, their vision, and their digital implementation. Lisa shares how she leveraged her strengths for problem solving and connection to confidently rebuild her pricing strategy from the ground up. It was about year three in my business when I realized I needed to sort of take stock on understanding why I was feeling less confident when people were pushing back on my proposals or when I was needing to defend my price. I had realized that I kind of came up with my numbers out of the marketplace, really. I had learned early on that my prices were too low and doubled them and then doubled them again and took a few courses on pricing structures so that I could understand, you know, about buffer time and project management time and things, but it wasn't feeling good. It still wasn't feeling as though the number was connected to me, that it was rooted in something more than just an arbitrary number. One of my strengths is connectedness. And that means I have to have things rooted in. It's also one of my values is connection. And also restorativeness is one of my strengths, which is all about figuring out problems and solving them. So I definitely wanted to find the answer to this. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a course telling me how to fill out a pricing sheet or a coach telling me I needed to double my revenue or double my prices, I knew that I needed to do something so that I would be able to feel more confident going into any kind of conversation about prices. So after a few courses, after definitely working even on a one month long workshop with an accountant, I needed to sit down and I put all the puzzle pieces on the table basically and started to rearrange them a little bit. I I took out, you know, the old Excel spreadsheet and started mapping out all of the data I added in all of my time. I added in all of my resources, platforms and subscriptions and you know tools I needed to execute my services, collaborators I had worked with. Anything that basically was attached to my business was on this spreadsheet. It was like this big long dump of items. I then started sorting them out and I was able to sort of determine the pieces that were falling into the bracket of what we would call working on your business versus in your business. So on your business would be all of the, you know, admin marketing, the things that you don't quote unquote get paid for by your client because the front facing parts of the business, which are the the pieces that are in your business, those are your packages, your services, the actual ROI that the client gets. What I found, you know, through this whole exercise was I was able to develop sort of like a percentage that I could then bring in whenever I was formulating my price structure, along with your profit margin and your taxes and, you know, those other lovely line items that helped cover that other side of the business. And when it wasn't even just in doing the exercise, making me feel better about the number in terms of like, I did adjust my prices because of that. I noticed that they were, they were lower than they should be. And that was probably why things were even a little tighter. So I kind of was doing, I was solving two problems that I didn't even realize, but what ended up happening was the the problem, the initial one got solved, which was whenever net, then I was moving forward and giving a client a proposal. I knew exactly where the numbers were coming from. If someone had a question about a line item, I could defend it. I could, I could literally go into the conversation feeling confident that these weren't numbers that were just pulled from the sky. They came from a real working doc 
document in numbers that were rooted in my capacity, my time, and my way of working. I definitely now feel not just confident going forward about pricing, but I now help my clients also help with this exercise. Even if sometimes, because there's usually two issues, sometimes it is a money story issue, and I definitely had that too. But even when that was solved, I still had to have that concrete data. I still had to have something connecting me to my price. Once I had that, it felt so much better and it became a non-issue. I then took that same puzzle sort of equation, that puzzle formula of doing things and started tackling other pieces in my business that I felt I needed more of a rooting in. And it's definitely my go-to method for solving any problem I might have. The process also helped me narrow in a new approach with my clients, one that's a lot more holistic and definitely keeps the human at the center of all decisions. There are so many components to running a business, but the most effective place to operate from is when you put the human at the center of everything and make business personal again. I wanted to start with Lisa's story because pricing probably isn't something you'd think about when you think about leveraging your strengths. You might consider how your strengths allow you to charge more, but it's unlikely you'd consider how your strengths could help you figure out a strategy for pricing. For Lisa, the path to confident pricing went straight through her strengths for connection and problem solving. But there are so many other strengths you could apply to pricing too. What would a pricing strategy filtered through responsibility look like? Or how about leadership or maybe empathy? Your approach to pricing strategy might be pretty different than Lisa's, but there's still at least one of your personal strengths you can use to make it more natural and effective for you. Now, let's hear from leadership and career development coach Nyla Bari about how her strengths for ideation, strategy, and relationship building have influenced the way she works with clients. My business is built around this curiosity I have about how we experience our relationship with work. Um, we spend 90,000 hours of our lives at work, most of us, and that can seem really discouraging or overwhelming for some people. But for me, I find it to be an invitation to create and design, explore, course correct, just figure out how we want work to fit into our lives, what we want to express of ourselves and become of ourselves through our professional endeavors, and to design that, live that, practice it, experiment. And my business is built around a really big question and a really complicated question at times, which I think suits my strengths. It kind of is the representation of a set of my strengths. So I think about my strengths and maybe families of qualities or behaviors or characteristics. And I think all of them show up in how I have built my business so far and what is working. Um, there probably also have shadow sides, things that will probably trip me up, but um, I'm trying to pay attention to those also. So the first set of strengths that I know about myself through assessments, which is part of the work I do, but also just through feedback and reflection and having really good thought partners in my life is that I'm cross-disciplinary by nature. Um, Some language would call it strategic, some would call it ideation-oriented. Just I tend to draw ideas, inspiration, and curiosities from a number of domains. So this I find endlessly fascinating, but for people who 
have led me in organizational life has been a little bit confusing, if not to downright distracting. I'm, it's really hard for me not to keep, not to have a wandering eye of sorts, to be really interested in what's going on in other parts of the business or other parts of the university, what other companies might be working on, what can we learn from social psychology in this domain, what, we, what can we learn from spirituality here. And I, to me, it makes a ton of sense to think that way. But I know that in other parts of my life, and especially for managers, it has felt like, Nyla, just focus on what's in front of you. Swim in your lane. Color within the lines. Please stay on task. Building a company has allowed me to build a portfolio. Like The way I've constructed the work I do is reflective of me leaning into that strength of being cross-disciplinary. So I do a number of things. I coach one-on-one. I teach in the graduate classroom. I do group coaching. I podcast. I have a fair amount of corporate work that has me doing consulting type projects. That feels very natural for me. And when I started my business, I got a ton of guidance to pick a a service, pick a product line. You can't be everything to all people. And I don't think of it as that. I think of it as having this core question, how do you experience work and how do you want to experience work? And then expressing that curiosity through a number of domains, a number of products, a number of services. To me, that is entirely natural. And not only is it joyful for me to be in the business, but I feel that my work is enhanced as a result of keeping things cross-disciplinary, that I bring insights and wisdom from the classroom to my one-on-one clients, that I'm able to look at aggregate insights from working with people one-on-one and design better programs for some of my corporate partners. Uh, It's just a way for me of connecting the dots in a way that serves my clients and my students and serves me at the same time. I also think that a second set of my strengths are leveraged in this kind of format that I have for my business, which is that I'm a relationship builder. I'm really good at networking and keeping relationships warm. It really matters to me to be deeply connected to people over the long haul. And so that strength is manifested through really long-term relationships with clients and with institutions. And that has allowed me to really look under the hood, get my hands dirty, and really be of service in a way that feels honest to me, feels purposeful and impactful to me, because it's not transactional at all. And in the past, I might have seen this strength as like getting too attached, or not knowing when to let go. But what I find now is that it is a way of really building trust and um, being the thought partner I know I can be to the people for whom that kind of relationship is the right fit, who are looking for someone to evolve with them and grow with them. And it's pointed me towards the kinds of relationships where I perceive there's room to grow and there's room to influence the business or the client or the organization over the long haul. It's led me to say no to the projects that feel very much like, could you come in here and just do this one thing for us? Um, Very rarely will I say yes to that because it doesn't lean into a strength of which is let me be with you for the long road ahead and let us grow together. And then finally, I'd say the last family of strengths that I have learned to express without apology in my business is a sense of humor and a sense of humanity. Um, In the field I come from, adult development psychology, my observation of faculty and researchers and executive coaches in the field was that it sometimes felt so unnecessarily serious to the point at which we're taking our work, which is impactful, meaningful, purposeful, serious, but adding to it an unnecessary layer of distance, almost a clinical approach that stopped us from being humans who connected person to person. And 
really inherent in my life and in my work is a groundedness, like a sense of humor and honesty, a willingness to reveal and a curiosity to understand you beneath the surface. And it's a characteristic of my coaching work, of my teaching work. It's just me. Like I want to know you and I want to show you who I am. And anytime I try to mimic the way perceived others in the field being very distant and, um, somehow like being intellectual or academic meant also being far away from you. It just felt unnatural to me. It felt like I was wearing a mask and I didn't want to do that. So in my business and my podcast and my teaching, it's really human and it's not always perfect. And that's the way I want it to be because that feels honest for me. It feels like me. Nyla's self-awareness about her strengths has allowed her to structure her client agreements and the work she does within them around what she does best. And while that might seem like the goal we're all aiming for, it is so easy to just try to get it right instead of actually leveraging our strengths. So again, how could your personal strengths filter the way you structure your client engagements and the work you do differently than Nyla's? Next up, let's hear from business coach Lisa Townsend. Lisa's story is a great example of exactly that, how the expectation of what work should look like or what constitutes good work can often ignore the strengths that actually make us powerful. I spent years believing that the things that made me good at a job were based in what I knew. So that's my knowledge, my problem solving ability and telling people how to do stuff. I thought they were the strengths that I needed to cultivate to get me better and better jobs. And if I'm honest, every day I lived with an uneasy feeling that I was going to get found out because the truth was I didn't really know a lot. And I'm not saying that in a self-effacing, bashful way. It's exactly how I felt and I still do. I am no expert and I can't remember facts, figures or quotes. My problem-solving ability wasn't really mine because I love to magpie solutions and frameworks from other people and try them out to see if they work on my problems. And then we come to the telling people how to do stuff. Yep, it's not a strength of mine either. In fact, I'm rubbish at telling people what to do. Around eight years ago, I begrudgingly found mindfulness and it helped me to cope with a particularly difficult time in my personal life. The tool I became most fascinated with was noticing. And for those of you who haven't tried mindfulness before, it's a way of paying attention to something without judgment. You can use the technique for thoughts, feelings, sensations, sounds and experiences. And it's helped me to cope when life was utterly overwhelming and also to find gratitude in the strangest of places. So when I decided I wanted to work for myself... I could think of no better tool to help me wade through all of the decisions I was going to have to make. And so I started to drop the knowing in favour of the noticing. And noticing became my new found strength. It was so different to knowing. So knowing required me to take like a lifetime of stuff and cram it into every available space in my head and body and wheel it out the right bit at the right time for the right situation. It was an exhausting process and came with an incredible pressure to get it right. 
In turn, this meant others also expected me to know, to be able to get it right for them or their situation. So in my experience, knowing directly undermined the people I was working with. Noticing feels completely different. Noticing doesn't require me to show up with any answers. It needs me to be rooted in the present, which is the place I like to hang out most. I don't need to be prepared and prepped. I can be spontaneous and improvise. I quickly realised that more noticing led to more hidden strengths. Hidden because I had learnt to undervalue them. The most obvious one was listening. I am a great listener. It's something I'm always looking to improve on and it's multifaceted. I can turn it inwards to myself or outwards towards others. Okay, so my strengths are noticing and listening. Not the sexiest of CVs. And more to the point, you might wonder how I apply those to creating and running a business. Well, after noticing and listening came curiosity, another strength and slightly sexier. Curiosity has become the vehicle for all of my noticing and listening because it allows me to put it all into action and leaning into this strength and following my curiosity has led me to make some of the best decisions. So for example, I became a proud coach. In 2019, I became accredited in creativity and mindfulness. And in 2020, I completed the Playing Big Facilitators course with one of my heroes, Tara Moyer. I've made a marketing strategy to fit my business coaching model where I've chosen to go small and lead with conversation. As an introvert, I noticed that I found big groups overwhelming and unsatisfying. So now my networking is all about the one-on-one or small group conversation with plenty of value and laughter. I've built a reflective practice into my business where I notice what has worked and I put my attention on discovering how to do more of that. And yes, the What Works network directly feeds into this strategy too, and I highly recommend it. I've connected deeply with my clients and I understand what they need. Bonus! I've noticed that focusing on that has had a ripple effect on so many other areas of my business, and it's all come from listening and noticing. So it turns out my strengths aren't based in what I know. They are clustered around what I notice and understanding more about them has helped me to align my work to areas where I can really use them to best advantage, whether that's for my business, my relationships or my well-being. The voice of dominant culture can be so loud, shouting at us what our strengths should be to succeed in this world, that it's easy for it to drown out our own inner voice about what our strengths actually are. Lisa stopped listening to all the yelling about value being based on what you know and started listening to her own strengths tell her that her work was valuable because of what she noticed. Now, maybe you wrestle with something similar. Maybe the voice of dominant culture tells you to be more analytical or more disciplined or more future focused, that those strengths are how you become successful. But how could your actual personal strengths lead to being more effective and achieving what's important to you? 
That brings us to Maithili Jagannathan, the founder and principal of Itinerant Inc., a writing and consulting firm that helps nonprofits develop smart fundraising strategies. Leveraging my strengths hasn't always come easy to me. Some aspects have been easy, like knowing that I loved writing and had a knack for it, something I knew since I was a kid. But what I want to share today are some more hard-won reflections on what I think of as paired strengths, strengths that might seem to be opposites, but that I've come to see as part of a dynamic continuum. One of these strengths that took me some time to realize is that I bring simultaneously an insider and outsider perspective. I'm good at becoming an insider because I'm curious, patient, and empathetic. I love diving in to learn about the vision and challenges of new clients in their fields, and I can imagine my way to the inside. But the outsider perspective persists because, let's face it, I just never get totally comfortable as an insider. This outside perspective, I think of it as a little bird on my shoulder, opens up space for me to ask questions and make comparisons that might not occur to a true insider. I see this as in some ways shaped by growing up in an immigrant family, a situation where I was in some sense a conduit, translating between cultures. I had to inhabit multiple worlds and value systems, all of which were dynamic and complex. I became good at finding connective threads, but also at analyzing and articulating difference and nuance. Temperamentally, I also tended toward the anxious side. So in some situations, my instinct was to stay quiet and learn the lay of the land before making a move. This dual insider and outsider perspective was a strength I tapped in my early work experiences at an emerging arts organization where we all wore multiple hats and were passionately creating a community space that didn't exist before, and then at a consulting firm that focused on fundraising and strategic planning for nonprofit clients. The latter experience is what introduced me to the fascinating world of consulting and planted the seed of the idea that I could start my own business. I eventually took that leap and started my business, Itinerant Inc., over a decade ago, offering grant writing and fundraising consulting for nonprofits. I led with my core skill strength, writing, in the business name, Itinerant Inc., as well as the tagline, Writing for a Moving World. The itinerant piece spoke to the idea of living and working in a way that was expansive, moving across different realms, welcoming variety, conversing with change. And like a wish, that idea has come true. Through Itinerant Inc., I've now had the opportunity to help organizations in a variety of fields, the arts, education, healthcare, advocacy, technology, and grassroots movement building, to tell their stories and raise money to advance immediate social good and systemic social justice. Using my imaginative, connective, and writing skills means that I'm leveraging my strengths to build relationships with clients and express their vision and impact in ways that help them leverage resources to carry out their work. In my daily work life, it means I have a lot of variety and a lot of depth, and I really take joy and revel in the work. For my business, all of these have added up to a great formula to get repeat work or referrals to new clients. Another paired strength I think about a lot is intuitive and analytical thinking. My analytical side is highly developed and visible and loud in my head. It tends to be a capacity rewarded in the world at large. But when I look at pivotal moments in my business, 
What I see is that my intuition has really been a catalyst for action, and analysis tends to follow. Starting with analysis can mean I end up in analysis paralysis, but when I follow an intuition and act on something significant, I can later come back and analyze the result and document what worked or didn't work and why for the future. Letting my intuition lead is still really challenging, but I remind myself that this post-action analysis gives me evidence of why it's so valuable. And one of the fascinating things is that trusting my intuition has often meant discovering that I have strengths in areas I would never have thought of myself as strong in. Eventually, these emerge as qualities that my analytical side can actually accept, (laughs) claim, and leverage to expand my sense of possibility and impact. Ultimately, what I'm learning is to build spaciousness into my business and value discovery in the moment. Inside, outside, analytical, and intuitive, I'm listening to and welcoming it all. I love how my belly sees her strengths filtered through her family and cultural influences. That's an incredibly powerful way to notice strengths that you might take for granted that can be leveraged in more explicit ways, just as my belly has. Finally, storyteller, producer, and content strategist Mary Knox Miller takes us on a fascinating journey from photographing mountain gorillas in Africa to helping nonprofits tell their stories through compelling videos. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a large animal veterinarian and live in Africa. That's normal, right? Unfortunately, my father's medical genius didn't transfer to me, but his love for writing and taking pictures did. Camera and notebook in hand, I became a photojournalist, crisscrossing the globe for a Boston-based newspaper. I even made it to Africa to film mountain gorillas in their natural habitat. How did I get paid to travel the world, take pictures, and tell stories? I leaned into insatiable curiosity, a relentless work ethic, an ability to quickly find my footing and build trust with people, even when we didn't speak the same language. But when I stood in the epicenter of Haiti's 2010 earthquake, gas seeping out of the earth, bodies and destruction everywhere, something inside shifted. I no longer wanted to fly in, capture stories, then leave. I wanted to be part of the community I was documenting. For the next 10 years, I was either teaching in or working for universities, bringing to life academic experiences through multimedia. I push faculty, staff, and students to lean into emotion, to tell their stories in a way that showed prospective students what it was really like to be part of our community. In the process, I built relationships with remarkable faculty whose work inspired me. I translated complex ideas into everyday language people could understand. Just as I had done all those years in the field, I reveled in connecting one human being to another. But a few years ago, and three kids later, Something inside shifted again. I wanted to do more, to channel my talents into forces for change. And so I started a photography and video production business with a twist. For every portrait or video created, I donated my time and services to nonprofits striving to make a difference. In the process, I communicated between clients and nonprofits, telling them how their commission was literally changing lives. All this fueled my need to produce work that delighted clients and moved the needle for nonprofits. But building a business is very different than working for an organization. Behind the scenes, I was spending hours creating websites, 
writing copy, crafting portfolios, and signing up for all the software I thought I was supposed to use, and all those online courses I thought I was supposed to take. And I was exhausted, like all the time. I learned the hard way that there are two sides to every strength. On the one hand, my natural ability to instantly put people at ease meant a steady stream of work. But the achiever in me with insatiable curiosity? Well, she said yes to everything. Every project, every opportunity, every idea. And while I was doing good work, I felt like I was spinning my wheels only to make minimal progress on the change I wanted to see in the world. I craved to make a bigger difference, to have an effect beyond just what I could create. Then one day, it hit me. While video storytelling is my happy place, what really makes me giddy is thinking big, strategizing, and writing my newsletter, Hook and Hold. This entire time, I'd been cranking out thought leadership to an audience that was steadily growing. I talked about how to harness the power of story in words, pictures, and sounds to connect with audiences, one human being at a time. I explained why story is powerful, that it builds an emotional connection, which leads to trust, which leads to action. This was bigger than brand awareness, bigger than content creation. This was a whole new way of thinking about marketing. It occurred to me, what if I leaned further into my strengths as a storyteller, a teacher, and someone with an uncanny ability to empathize with people I've just met? What if, instead of helping everyone, I narrowed my focus to impact-driven leaders? And what if I showed them how, when talking about their work, to reveal who they are as a person in order to connect with their audience on a deeper level? Oh my goodness, what if instead of just creating content for people, I empower them to create content themselves to step up to the mic and hit record? The ripple effect could be huge. And so I shifted my business to embrace both one-on-one engagements and online teaching. Today, I get in the trenches with impact-hungry thought leaders and business owners to translate their why into powerful content. We forget the shoulds and supposed tos of marketing and explore how you can show up in a way that fits your personality and lane of genius. And if we land on video, I'm there to script, film, and edit content to bring your ideas to life. At the same time, I'm listening to that desire for impact at scale in the social sector. Last year, I created the Nonprofit Video Lab, an online course and community to help nonprofits learn how to produce compelling videos themselves instead of spending thousands of dollars outsourcing. As they learn course material, they're also soaking up the collective wisdom of all students during our weekly check-ins and online platform. It feels so good to lean into my strengths and work that energizes me. It makes my heart sing when people realize not only what to create, but why they're creating it. That's not to say it's all rainbows and unicorns. Running a business is tough and fraught with emotional landmines. But I've learned to let go of what feels like an uphill climb, including traditional standards of marketing. I'm just fine with infrequent but powerful emails, long-form articles, and scarce social media, thank you very much. I also know my secret sauce is a combination of head and heart best expressed in the nuances of one-on-one or group discussion. I want to make a big impact and will continue to write and share ideas, but it's in relationship building, not SEO and definitely not website building, that I really shine. I'm not a marketer. I'm a storyteller, but it turns out story is the most powerful form of marketing.
In fact, this Southern race, but New England living girl, believes story, especially in visual form, can transcend barriers and connect us as human beings. I finally found my voice, and now I'm helping others find theirs, including yours. I wanted to close out with Mary Knox's story because I think it reflects so many of our own stories. Personal strengths aren't always a filter. Sometimes they're a thread that we pull at little by little as our work weaves together multiple careers and focuses. It's certainly how I see my own strengths. I can see sense-making as a thread that I've been weaving with through my study of religion and philosophy, to retail management, to becoming a mom, and finally becoming a business owner and in all the forms that that's taken. Now that's a wrap on this series on leveraging your strengths. Next month, we're talking about systems, project management systems, sales systems, creative process systems, and more. And inside the What Works Network, we're gonna be hosting our 18th virtual conference all about, you guessed it, systems on September 23rd. If you'd like to get in on our virtual conference all about systems, as well as access to our global community of experienced small business owners, including Lisa, Nyla, Mary Knox, Mytheli, and Lisa, now is the time to join. Membership is open through August 31st at our current membership rate. When the doors open again, our membership rate will have doubled. Go to explorewhatworks.com network to get all the details and join us. Huge thanks today to Lisa Greer, Nyla Bari, Mary Knox Miller, Lisa Townsend, and my belly Jagannathan. And special thanks to Shannon Paris for being our contributor wrangler. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Emily Kilduff is our production assistant. Marty Seafelt edits our episodes. And Sean McMullen is the train engineer that keeps us choo-choo-chewing along. 